complete failure. Despite enormous political pressure from armchair generals in Washington, who saw Grant's initial failures as cause to replace him, Abraham Lincoln instead gave his unflagging support to the man, saying, I can't spare this man. He fights. Grateful for the president's support, Grant withdrew both wings of his army, and by the end of the year, he began to rethink his strategy. The Confederate forces in Mississippi were commanded by Lieutenant General John C. Pemberton, a Pennsylvanian who had stayed loyal to his Virginia-born wife and enlisted to fight for the South. Despite considerable experience in the First Seminole War and Mexico, Pemberton had not yet led troops in the field during the Civil War. Though Pemberton's command was technically under the umbrella of General Joe Johnston, who commanded the entire Confederate Department of the West, Pemberton was a friend of Jefferson Davis and had received his assignment and thus took his orders directly from Davis himself. Everyone in the Confederate Army knew of the simmering feud between Joe Johnston and President Davis, a conflict that went back to the earliest beginnings of the war. Thus, Johnston had been sent out west as much to get him out from under Davis's attention as for Johnston's ability to command an entire theater of the war. Though Pemberton commanded the critical Vicksburg defenses, to Johnston, Pemberton was simply Davis's man. That lack of cooperation and authority came to haunt the Confederates and played a key role in the battles to come. With the Union forces now licking their wounds back in Tennessee, Grant began to work on another strategy for moving his vast manpower closer to Vicksburg. If the direct overland route southward through Mississippi was no longer an option, the only viable alternative was to move west of the Mississippi River and come at Vicksburg from another direction. As far back as June 1862, Union forces had begun several attempts to cut through the dismal network of muddy swamps and meandering creeks that drained into the river opposite Vicksburg with little success. Now, in early January 1863, Grant tried the same tactic. But after weeks of strenuous effort from Grant's engineers, none of the plans for canals, shortcuts, and artificially constructed levees brought Grant anything more than frustration. Plagued by either too little water or too much, with the troops tormented by the mud, swarms of mosquitoes, poisonous snakes, and the occasional alligator, Grant finally conceded that the only effective way to move his army from Louisiana into Mississippi would be by finding a crossing much farther south, where both sides of the river had firmer ground. But rather than forcing the issue in a direct, undisguised, and extremely dangerous crossing where the Confederates might be waiting for him, Grant ordered Sherman to make a large-scale feint at Vicksburg from the north, while Union cavalry, under Colonel Ben Grierson, began a march southward out of Tennessee, straight into the heart of Mississippi. The key to Grant's crossing would be transport boats, and on the moonless night of April 16th, Union Admiral David Porter ran the Confederate artillery gauntlet and sent a dozen boats past Vicksburg. The rebels detected the movement on the river and bombarded Porter's boats, but amazingly, the Union Navy lost only one vessel. In addition, Grant also sent troops toward a strongly held Confederate position at Grand Gulf, south of Vicksburg, holding the considerable Confederate artillery in place there, while Grant began to make his primary crossing of the river farther south. Misled completely by Grant's chess game, 
a baffled Pemberton failed to predict where Grant was going to make his move. At one point, receiving reports of heavy Union River traffic, the Confederate commander convinced himself that Grant had advanced his enormous army only to reverse course. While Grant continued to put his forces into position, Pemberton suggested to his stunned officers that Grant was, in fact, retreating. Thus, on April 30, 1863, when Grant began to ferry his troops across the river at Bruinsburg, some 30 miles below Vicksburg, the crossing was completely unopposed by Confederate troops. The initial movement of more than 20,000 Union soldiers over water was up to that time the largest amphibious assault in American history. As the crossings continued, Grant's base south of Vicksburg grew into a formidable force of more than 35,000, strength that no Confederates in the area could withstand. The first major contact occurred at Port Gibson.